Well, what are we talking about today? So I had a question. I had um, I I was I noticed a verse the other day. I don't remember where it is, but um, I mean, if I could Google it quickly. But I know there's a verse that says First Timothy. Uh, First, Tim- First Timothy. Um, it says that the love of money is the root of all evil. And dun, it, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> it it doesn't quite make sense to me. So, <laughs> good job. Um, it doesn't quite make sense to me. So I wanted to ask about it so that you could explain how that is possible. And this is something I've wondered for a while too, just how... Um, Because it's very specific. It doesn't just say um, evil. Um, The Bible Bible doesn't just mince words. Yeah. So it says all evil. All evil. Which I'm wondering, like, I mean, I I feel like I can think of some evil that's just out of, I mean, not not money. Not the love of money, anyways. Um, So this this has been a question I've had for years and just never thought to ask. Yeah, and I know that there are two aspects to this verses, like the question that we're asking, and then there's the whole concept that some people think, which is money is the root of all evil. Right. Right. So there right. are two kind of paths with this question. Yeah. I don't know if you want to address one first. Well, the first thing to say is that money is not the root of all evil. The right. love of money is the root of all evil. Yeah. And yeah. so what you see in that, and a, a good way that I've heard it said, and I've said it multiple times, is God doesn't care about you having stuff, mm-hmm. but he does care about stuff having you. Yeah. Uh, so the Lord doesn't mind if you have stuff, but he doesn't want stuff to have you. Yeah. And, um, and you'll see this. Actually, this passage that talks about the love of money actually shows that very clearly if you back up to verse 6. So we'll read verse 6 through 10 here in a mm-hmm. minute, and then I'll explain why the love of money is the root of all evil. Mm-hmm. It's the root of all of it, and uh, okay. I'll show that to you So um, in the Scripture. So one of the things that you want to see, though, is uh, the Lord has given me this for some years, is if anything, mm-hmm. let's say that the Lord ask you for something, yeah. you know, uh, from the smallest thing to the biggest thing, whatever it is. It can be something, it can be where you live, it can be what you do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, remember remember with Abraham and Isaac, he said, hey, you dreamed about having a son for 25 years, now give him to me, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so that's, that's a challenge, and most people would be like, no, but that's why Abraham was the father of faith, because he trusted God, and when you go over into Hebrews 11, you actually see that Abraham trusted the Lord that even if Isaac died, that God would raise him back to life again. Yeah. He would make yeah. it okay. Mm-hmm. So he trusted God on that level, that even though this makes no logical sense to me, I don't understand, what, what God was actually having Abraham do was sow a seed of his son so that mankind could reap a harvest of yeah. the Son of God. So it, what Abraham did really opened up salvation to all of the world. Yeah. God needed to find a man that would trust him enough. So the issue is, now don't you think if anything could have been held on to and people not said, oh, you're, you know, that's crazy, it would have been his son. You yeah. know, like, no, I'm not giving you my son. I'm not sacrificing my yeah. son. Mm-hmm. But that's exactly what God asked for. Now, right. the Lord had provision for it. And when Abraham trusted God, 
he got that provision because of God's goodness and his love. So one of the things that you see, though, is a lot of times people don't want to give it up. So let's say that this is a situation. Let's say that you've been working. Let's say that you're 50, and you've now been in the workforce since you were approximately 20, and you've worked for 30 years to retire and live at the beach, right? Yeah. And then the Holy Spirit starts dealing with you to not live at the beach. Well, most people are like, no, I've worked 30 years for this. I'm going to go live. And see, that's the issue. That, that thought and the idea of the beach house and living at the beach has that person. No longer is God Lord, but the beach house is Lord. Uh, the idea of retirement might be Lord. Um, the idea of family might be Lord. The idea of a boyfriend or a girlfriend can be Lord. In other words, God doesn't mind us having things, but he doesn't mm -hmm. want stuff to have us. Yeah. And so a lot of times, uh, it's not just money, but it's things, it's stuff, it's ideas, it's uh, the way we think. Many times, many religious, this was a problem with the religious leaders in Jesus' day. They had an idea of what the, the Messiah would look like. And they didn't want to give up their idea of it. And they had, some of them had an idea of the Messiah. Some of them had an idea of this is our power and this is our living to keep this, you know, religious structure, right? Mm -hmm. they, they believed and yeah. they didn't want to give that up. So that structure had them and God wasn't Lord of their lives. Even though they stamped God's name on it and yeah. said he was, they weren't. Many times religion will do that. It'll hold on to something. That's why you've heard me say anything you believe or any doctrine is worthy of throwing on the altar and letting the fire of God test it, yeah, right? Yeah. So put that in the comments right now. Any doctrine or, or really anything, doctrine, um, vehicle, money, anything, job, retirement, ideals, yeah. uh, anything is wor worthy of putting on the altar and letting the fire of God test it. Anything is worthy of putting on the altar and letting the fire of God test it. Mm -hmm. um, so when we love the thing, then what happens is you can't serve two masters, mm -hmm. right? You can't serve two masters. So when you love the thing, you immediately put another Lord on the throne besides of, besides Jesus, right? Yeah. And so that's part of the reason why the love of money is the root of, of evil. It's not the money itself. Uh, I, I like money. I like having it. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. When I love it, right? Mm -hmm. And what we're talking about love is a love that puts it in front of other things, right? Mm -hmm. I can easily set it to the side. You know, one of my biggest issues was uh, that I would give away too much. And yeah. literally, I had to ask some some spiritual leaders, how do I give away what I what I want to give away, but still, you know, have some that grows and is a storehouse, you know, because yeah. Nicole and I will empty stuff, you know, we've done it a bunch of times, you know. Yeah. So I had to ask the Lord for wisdom and ask some uh, men of God for some wisdom on that because we enjoyed giving it away so much. So, yeah. um and that's funny. Serena says, Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony. 
Anthony is is worth putting on the altar. I don't know who Anthony is, but does he agree with that? I, I don't know. Is he willing? Well, like, he is a thing, so I'm sorry, Anthony, whoever whoever that is. But. Bye. <laughs> we'll see if you make it through the fire. Um, but uh, so anyway, uh, when we love something, we honor and cherish it above God. Now, now we're putting it in that position of love. What we do is we put that thing on the throne. Yeah. So, and yeah. we'll read this in just a second. But before we go on, do y'all have any questions about that? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think yeah, just excited to hear more about it. Also, mm -hmm. um, I think we've gotten some comments that are just because it's just general Q and A questions. So yeah. we'll see mm -hmm. if we're able to get to those today okay. or not. Okay. Sounds good. I haven't seen those. So, all right. So now, you know, to prove the things are not the bad, right? Right. It's kind of like in a in a homicide investigation. The gun's mm -hmm. not bad. It's the person who utilized yeah. the gun. Yeah. Uh, the money's not bad. It's yeah. how you use the money. One thing about money, power is money and power. Things like that. They will actually simply amplify who you are at your core. Yeah. Right. So, in other words, if you're a bad uh, person, money will be utilized bad, and it'll mm -hmm. amplify that badness. Uh, if you're good, it'll amplify the goodness. So, yeah. when you go over in 2 Corinthians 9, it shows an abundance, and that's really talking about an abundance of finances. It'll say the abundance is for every good work, yeah. every good work. Yeah. So, in other words, it will actually amplify what's in your heart. Uh, so money itself is not bad, it's who's using it. And mm -hmm. so look at this, this First Timothy, starting in verse 6. We'll read verse 6 through 10. It says, But godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. Now, mm -hmm. if you read this in context, he's talking about money and stuff. So this yeah. passage is talking about money and stuff. We're not talking about spiritual great gain here. Although yeah. it is a spiritual concept, it, he's not talking about godliness as a great gain of spirituality. It's, he's talking about godliness as great gain of stuff yeah. when accompanied by contentment. So when we learn how to be content and mm -hmm. we mix and mingle that with godliness... The Holy Spirit has already told us it's actually a means of great gain. Yeah. Not just gain, but great gain. So yeah. what's the heart of God here in godliness and contentment? To get great gain to you. Right. you know? So it's yeah. not the stuff that's evil. But yeah. then he goes on to make sure that they're not out of balance with this. And mm -hmm. specifically on contentment, you know, like I said, one of the things that the Lord's given me over the years is if he asks for something... Does it take me longer than a couple of seconds to release it to him? If I have to sit there and think about it, then that thing probably has me at least a little bit, right? Yeah. Even if it takes me five, uh, okay. You know, I, I, if I have to think about it that yeah. long, it's got me a little bit, right? Yeah. And so I want to be able to release it immediately. If I know it's God, okay, yeah, whatever you want, Lord. You know, whatever you mm -hmm. want. Now that thing doesn't have me. And so what he does is very similar to the Dead Sea uh, versus uh, the, the Sea of Galilee. The Dead Sea basically has no outflow, and because mm -hmm. of that, there's no life in it. But the Sea of Galilee has an inflow and an outflow, 
and it's teeming with life. Yeah. So if God can get stuff to you and through you, you will overflow with the life of God, yeah. overflow with finances. So a lot of times people, when they try to hoard and they try to store up, they actually start cutting off the life that's within them. But if they will be content, in other words, I know that no matter, you know, even if I was broke today, if I gave away everything today, the blessing doesn't come from what I've done and who, who I am by myself. The blessing yeah. comes from God. And so if the blessing comes from God, all that stuff will start to flow again. It all, Brother Copeland, you say, if we lost everything within a couple of years, we'd be right back to where we were uh, because the blessing is, is from the Lord. The favor yeah. of God is from the Lord. And you would see those things happen. So part of that is knowing who your source is. Yeah. So you got to know who your source is. If I know who my source is, I don't mind giving stuff away because I know my source has plenty to fill in the gap. Yeah. You see? So that's an act of faith and an act of trust. That's why it's easy to give um, tithes and offerings. Once you get revelation of this, it's easy to give tithes and offerings mm -hmm. because you realize this is a flow and my source is not running out. Yeah. I'm content with that. So. Yeah. So this might be kind of off a little, uh, kind of vain, something I was honestly wanting to ask. Um, so there are some people who their ditch is to um, is to not give away things or not give up yeah. the lake house or different things like that. And then there's the other ditch, which we've kind of talked about before with um, like the issue of not seeing your worth and different things like that to receive. Now, mm -hmm. I think there may be some people who have, they've worked on giving the Lord thing, like giving, yeah. being able to give away things. They've worked on that. They know that principle. There are some people who, for the most part, if the Lord asks them something, they'll, okay, they'll give right. it away. They're willing to give away. Yeah. Now, for some people, I think it's, it, where they may be at is they're giving stuff away, but they're not seeing, like what you're talking about, they're not seeing their, um, their worthiness through Christ to receive that great gain. They're not receiving yeah. well. Um, mm -hmm. How would you kind of check how, on where you are? Like check, okay, are you at a place where you will receive money to do good work? Like, well, mm -hmm. do you know what kind of I'm asking? Like, Yeah, well, this promise here is conditional. It's conditional on two things. Great gain is conditional on godliness and contentment. Most people, even though they'll give away a lot of things, they're still not content. They're always fussing about, like, when's this going to come? I'm waiting on you, Lord. You know, they're not actually content in it at all. Yeah. Um, and we'll talk about contentment a little bit more. But the other thing is they got to be godly, which means they got to learn how to receive. I, I know they got to learn how to walk in faith. They got to, godliness is walking out everything that he's laying on our heart mm -hmm. or made available to us. So, for example, um, let's say that godliness is learning how to receive, which it is. But let's say that you don't know how to receive. Yeah. Let's say that you don't know how to receive and you're in the word asking the Lord how to receive. But what he told you was to go and plant yourself at a church. And at that church, the pastor is going to teach you how to receive, but you never go to that church. You're in the word like studying how to receive, but he's got the flow of it 
in the submission to his word. So because you never plant yourself at the church, you never hear that message on receiving, so you're not actually walking out godliness. You're walking out what looks holy, but it's not fully, right? And so a lot of people are missing it because they assume, they're assuming way too many things. Mm -hmm. They're assuming that they're right. They're assuming that they know stuff and they need to stop. The only thing that they need to assume are the absolutes that God's already laid out. You know, uh, it is finished. Jesus died for you. He's the only door to the Father. I need to believe on him, make him my Lord, and confess him as Lord, and believe that God raised him from the dead, call on the name of the Lord to be saved. And if I'm Mm -hmm. saved, then I made the righteousness of God in him. These are some absolutes. Okay, those are absolutes. But then the other part you know, they assume that, well, everything I thought about this doctrine is right. And like even with money, many people assume that money is evil. Yeah. And, and that's not even what it says, but they've been taught that and heard that and it's been slanted that way. So they think that's way. And so they're never going to move into fully great gain simply because yeah. they think godliness is something other than what it is. They think yeah. money's evil, not the love of money, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's going to that's gonna stand in their way, or they think they know what faith is. So a lot of assumptions, and the only way to avoid that move over into godliness and contentment is to lay ourselves and our thinking on the altar. It's really everything we're talking about is we're letting the Lord burn away the, the trash, burn away the chaff, and uh, we're letting the Lord do that. When we do that, he can actually move us to the place where we operate in godliness, where we learn what contentment is, which yeah. he tells us in just a couple of verses, but um, we learn what that is, and we're okay with it. You know? yeah. So this, this actually was a, a huge revelation for me. I got this right about the time we moved to Albemarle, and um, when the Lord started moving on us to uh, sell a company and start a church, he, he led me to these verses. Now, one of the things that you see is this, is that um, we need to get to the place where we are letting the Lord lead us and stop. Yeah. We need to operate in that humility and, and go after the Lord in fullness, not just what we think fullness is. It means yeah. we yield to him. Uh, so, you know, continuing reading here, but godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. Well, to me, as soon as I read that, I go, okay, I, I'm assuming that godliness is what's written in this book and what the Holy Spirit will write on my heart. But what's contentment? You know, mm-hmm. all right, that's obviously that's a very important ingredient to this mm-hmm. recipe. Yeah. So <laughs> what's the, what is it, you know? And yeah. it says, for we have brought nothing into the world so we can cannot take anything out of it either. In other words, he just said, I want you to have a bunch of stuff in the world and I'll give you a lot of stuff, great gain of stuff yeah. if you're godly and content. But understand that all that stuff stays here. You know, yeah. It's not going with you. And then it says in verse 8, if we have food and covering with these, we shall be content. Now here, this is now we're getting down to some real stuff. Yeah. yeah. All right. And now we're finding out if we love money or not. Okay. <laughs> so because here's the thing, we know what food is. Covering can mean one of two things. Covering can either mean uh, clothing mm-hmm. or a house over our head. Mm-hmm. So you know, keeping us out of the weather. Right. Yeah. 
So I'm going to take the greater of those and just use those as the example. I have a house over my head, I have shelter, and I have clothes and food. So I have covering and food. Mm -hmm. He says, if you have those, you should be content. <laughs> yeah. That means no phone, no TV, no internet, no cable, mm -hmm. no console games, no Mario Kart. <laughs> oh, man. No friends. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't mention any person. It doesn't mention any of that. No boyfriend, no girlfriend, no spouse, no grandkids. Mm -hmm. All right, so this is in our business, right? No house at the beach, no retirement, no, you yeah. know, having all your bills paid. Mm -hmm. Just a place to lay your head and food. Mm -hmm. And with that, you should be content. Yeah. Everything else is just an, in addition to, an it, additional yeah. blessing. But who actually is content with that? I, I'm, I have not, not I, not, I've not been. <laughs> no. I mean, you've got, you've got, yeah. that, that's what I mean. And you've got, yeah. you know, people even what we would consider in this country poor in other countries, they would be considered wealthy. But I mean, throwing a fit because they don't yeah. have, you know, some of the luxuries. Yeah. But you can see that that contradicts what he says here. Yeah. yeah. He says, be content. Now, how can we be content with that? Because we, can, we know who our source is. Yeah. See, so in other words, I'm not finding my happiness and my joy in the stuff. I'm mm -hmm. finding my joy in the Lord, and I'm trusting him as my source. He's the one that we need. Yeah. Right? I, if I got food and I have covering, I have shelter, then I should be content. So, you know, and this is like when we moved, when we moved here, and, and I will tell you this, I'll, I'll tell you, Nicole and I have had moments where we've definitely had moments where we did not have anything really extra and that we had times where I would consider we were poor, uh, poor in this world. Okay. I would say that we had times, even as adults, since we've been married, we've yeah. definitely had times we absolutely uh, absolutely lived off of Raymond noodles for a while. Yeah. I saw a comedian the other day. He said, he said, uh, we ate a uh, helper. <laughs> no, no hamburger, just helper. <laughs> and I was like, that's great. And I know exactly what he's talking about. Uh -huh. we had, we, for our food, we had helper. <laughs> and really um, I, so. I, I, will, I will say, um, as a new adult, as a Bible college <laughs> student, um, trying to fend for myself with food. I, I went out and I bought some hamburger helper and was very confused why there was no hamburger in the box. <laughs> I didn't learn that until like a year ago. I'm like, where's the hamburger? You promised hamburger and it's not here. <laughs> it, it duped it's a lot of young it's people. It's designed yeah. to help the hamburger. That's, that's the name. Yeah, but I thought it promised the hamburger. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it has it on the picture. Yeah. If there's a box and there's food on the picture of the box, yeah. it better be in there. Like cereal, how many fruit <laughs> is on the cereal box and is not in the cereal? Come no on, fruity. Special K. Like, no, actually, Special K is one that does have fruit in it. <laughs> but most of the other ones don't. <laughs> All the rest of you. I understand. 
It's not, content, so, it's not contentment. No. When we, um, when we moved here uh, to Albemarle, mm -hmm. we moved here with the idea of ministering and you know being you know pastoring a church if that's yeah. what the Lord led us to. Uh, getting in ministry at some point. At that point, we had a company that uh, paid our bills. It was how we afforded our house and a, mm -hmm. a new car that we just bought. It wasn't brand new. It was like a year old. Yeah. And um, we still have that car. And uh, so we, and then the Lord told us to sell that company. Well, that mm -hmm. company was our livelihood. Yeah. But that company was not our source. You right. see? Right. That company was the vehicle that our source used for the livelihood. And then the Lord told us, sell the company. So no company, no yeah. salary, no salary, no house, no car. There's no, I don't know what we're doing beyond that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what's coming beyond that. And Nicole didn't have her job that she has now. That She didn't even know about that job. We just know yeah. the Lord said sell the company. Well, that means if I sell the company and I've got no job and I always work for myself or for my dad, I mean, what's my resume look like? Oh yeah, I'm a really good worker. You know, <laughs> who's your references? Me and my dad. My dad <laughs> likes me, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so what was my resume? So, I mean, yeah. what can you do? Anything I set my mind to. Well, that's not really a resume, but I believed it, but yeah. you know, that's not really a resume, you know. So what, yeah. what job am I going to get? I have no idea. I've got no word from the Lord. I, the only word I have from the Lord is sell the company, which means that my house and the car are on the line. If, yeah. if there's not, if God doesn't come through or we're missing it, those things are on the line. Well, we needed to absolutely positively make sure that we weren't missing it first. Mm -hmm. And people thought we were crazy. I mean, they did but here's this verse is what the Lord taught, brought me to because ultimately, let's say we lost the house and the car. We got Nicole and I and you and Rachel mm -hmm. who were both babies yeah. and a tent and woods. <laughs> yeah. And that's it. Yeah. I think we had one vehicle that was paid for at that point, but the other one wasn't, um, I think. And... Uh, you know, I was like, we can pitch a tent in those woods over there, and I don't know what to do. I don't know yeah. what we will do. Does the tent count as a covering? Yeah. <laughs> so we would have had, I trust the Lord, he would have given us food and shelter. And and here, I want you to see this, and this is crazy talk to most people, but that's, <laughs> yeah. it's faith when you know who God is. This is why right. we had a financial miracle is because of this. Yeah. And I said, and it's not that people have to do this. We never had to go live in a tent. The question was, was I willing to? Yeah. It wasn't that you. Know, it wasn't that Abraham had to actually kill Isaac. The question was, was he willing to? Did he do it mm -hmm. in his heart? See, and the Lord led me to this verse, and he said, would yeah. you be content if all you had was food and a shelter? And that? He didn't define what that shelter was. He just says shelter, yeah. covering. So tent qualifies. Yeah. Right? Mm. So see now, then this is how we get in. Stretching me. This is how we, yeah, and that's that's the issue. That's why a lot of people don't have great gain, and the issue is, see, they've got to have that other stuff. So now they're in love with the stuff. What's on the throne? God can't tell them what to do because something else is sitting on the throne. Right. And when the Lord starts to ask them for it, they find that resistance 
which is why you feel the stretching. And see, yeah. this is something, I've, this is easy for me. I've dealt with this, I have revelation on it, and so it's easy for me. I can hand over stuff so quickly. But I've found that most people have never dealt with this thought. And because of that, what they don't realize is they actually have a love of money and stuff that's beyond food and covering. And because of that, uh, they, they limit, they're automatically limited on what God can tell them because they won't allow those things to come down as idols, yeah. right, as their source. They have something else as their source. I have to have this. Have to have that, yeah, yeah, and they have other sources. Well, this is interesting having you break it down because on and this is still not why it, the love of money is the root of all evil, yeah. but it's the basis for it. Okay. Well, I'm glad you're explaining it because if you look at these verses, these several, just these verses right here, mm -hmm. it almost seems like they contradict each other. Like mm -hmm. saying "be content," people can take that to a point of. No, I'm not going to receive anything else because I need to be content That's with only shelter. Yeah. I need to be content with nothing, so no, I'm not going to receive. It's talking about an attitude of the heart, not what you actually had, or else he wouldn't have told you it's great gain when accompanied with contentment. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. a great point. And that's, that's where people get confused. You have to see mm -hmm. what he actually said two verses ahead. It's actually great gain yeah. when accompanied by contentment. So contentment... Great gain and contentment can be together, but contentment is an attitude of the heart, you see, yeah. while you have great mm -hmm. gain as well. And when you don't have great gain, contentment needs to be there in both places. Yeah. And if you have contentment and godliness when you don't have much, God will start yeah. to give you much. And, and I'm, what I'm telling you is that Nicole and I have literally gotten to the place right now where some of this great gain has really started to come to us. I mean, yeah. it's, we've really started to see great gain come to yeah. us. So we've watched these verses start to come to pass. Yeah. And, you know, to some people, I think that, that people would say, well, you're very blessed. And I still believe that we're just beginning blessed. Like we're just yeah. stepping into a little bit. Yeah. So that's how big God is. But I can't go in. See, here's the issue. God really mm -hmm. wants to give you how, where's the screen? God mm -hmm. really wants to give you great gain. Yeah. But he can't give you gain up here if you haven't dealt with contentment down here. Mm -hmm. Because if you get great gain, now this stuff is going to take the throne. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what he goes on to tell you about. In other words, he says, he goes on to give you the warning of being just wanting the great gain without having contentment. Right. Okay, he goes on to say that. He says, uh, let me read, start at six again. But godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. For we have brought nothing into the world, so we cannot take anything out of it either. If we have food and covering with these, we shall be content. So a really good exercise is ask yourself, if God asked me for that, can I give it to him quickly? Yeah. Does it take me longer than a couple of seconds to let it go? Yeah. You know, if he said right now, give me your phone and you'll never have it again for the rest of your life. You know, give me, you know, give me yeah. your ideals. Give me your idea to have a husband. Yeah. You're never going to get married. I want you to have this. See, that right there, a lot of people, you would be like, huh, I ain't doing that. Mm -hmm. See, they're not content. Yeah. So another good thing you know, to ask yourself is, if it's not food and if it's not shelter and God asked me for it, mm. 
mm-hmm. you know, cannot, can I be content to not have it? Like yeah. really, really in my heart. And we're not, you know, it doesn't even say good food and it doesn't say good covering. So we're not talking about this can be covering. I mean, I need to be able to be content with the basics, you know, with just the helper. You know, no hamburger. No hamburger. Yeah, just the helper. Yeah. Am I content with it? What if it's just a bowl of rice? That's food. Yeah. I mean, take it down. I mean, if I really want to get down into it, I need to be able to take it down to that. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise, if I'm not content... Almost assuredly, something's on the throne in certain areas of my life that's yeah. not God. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, you know, and, and well, I use these for work. It doesn't matter. That's not what it talks about. I'm, it's food and covering. If it, you know, if it's taken away, would you still be happy and joyful and content? So, so you see that we need to be content with stuff and we need mm-hmm. to be content with where we are but then you learn from the parable of the sower that we're not content to not grow. Okay, so God commanded us to grow. He gave Mm -hmm. us counsel to grow. So I can't be content to sit on my butt in the house. Well, I got food and covering, and I'm living and paying my bills, so I'm content. Well, that's the opposite of being hot for God. That's being lukewarm. So you can see people use these words in the wrong context, they'll mm-hmm. be content to sit still, but not content with just food and covering, right? Yeah. Well, they've got it flip-flopped, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. so, but, all right, I'll read the rest of these. Did y'all have some? No, that makes sense. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting in that reverse, looking at the importance of of just both sides of that. Mm-hmm. Like, I think you mentioned Abraham and Isaac. Like, if if we always look at like okay abraham was was willing to give up isaac and that's amazing yeah. but what if he had taken it too far where it was only about contentment not having a son and what if he right. then yeah he would have had isaac. isaac to sow yeah what if yeah. he then killed isaac and yeah. didn't or and didn't have faith for isaac to come back or anything like yeah. that mm-hmm. then the seed for everything that we yeah. have today yeah. Yeah. would have been, that seed, that yeah. specific seed would have been lost. It's a great yeah. point. He he wasn't content to not believe God to receive. Believe God to receive, receive is godliness, mm-hmm. you see? So yeah. he was not content to sit still and drop his faith. Yeah. yeah. But he was content to have nothing but food and, yeah. and covering once he yeah. had those things. He was content with it. Mm-hmm. And that's what you see. But if he was content to just sit still, he would have never had Isaac to offer yeah. in the first place. And he was yeah. able great to point. he was able to hear the instruction too. So yeah. if his heart had been hard toward, well, God told me to give him my son. God doesn't want me to have a son. Yeah. And think badly mm-hmm. and, and think wrong, then when God told him there was provision, yeah. he wouldn't he wouldn't have even heard it. Like he yeah. would have been blocking instruction. Yeah. He would. He, his humility allowed him yes. to hear the way out, mm-hmm. the way or the, the the provision in that situation. Yep. Mm-hmm. This is why humility is so important, and knowing how to hear from the Lord and confirming that, not just assuming. Again, I, yeah. I'll say it time and time again. We as a people, and I'm not just talking about the world. The world, obviously, yeah. but the church. We've been assuming too much. We've been assuming that we know stuff that we don't know. Yeah. And we keep thinking if, if our life and our maturity is on is a ladder scale, 1 to 10, we keep thinking we're a 5, 6, or 7, and we're really a 1. Yeah. And, and 
well, you're just exaggerating to say a one. No, I'm exaggerating high. It's probably yeah. a point five because yeah. God's so big, we've been so far off course, we don't realize how much off course we've been. Yeah. So, and I've examined, I've spent time praying over that for years. I really believe most of the church, if, if maturity is 10, most of the church, including pastors, is below a one. Yeah. Is yeah. below a one. I think a lot of times in this culture... Um, because we're assuming. Yeah. yeah. You'll see a lot of uh, people... I, I honestly thought, when I was a teenager, I, I or maybe younger, I don't know, but I remember thinking this way. And I remember, like, listing out some of the most, like, controversial <laughs> doctrines and being like, well, I know the answer for this controversial doctrine. I know the answer for this one. And there are specific ones that really get brought up in Christianity. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. even in different denominations within Christianity. And I remember being like, okay, I think I have all of them down. I'm good. <laughs> like... And honestly, I think that's how a lot of people think. Yeah, like, yeah. well, I know, I know on this controversial topic, I got, I got scripture on it. I got that one. I got this one. And so I'm, yeah. I'm doing good. I got the answers. Like, yeah. you know? Yeah. Probably don't. Yeah. But yeah, that's, and that's what I found is, and that's, so we'll make assumptions. And, and I've said this many times is we will take the earliest portion of our spiritual life and make decisions and form doctrine there at our most mm -hmm. immature yeah. and never test them again, never review yeah. them again. Yeah. You know, I've taken those same doctrines and following the humility that the Lord's mm -hmm. shown to me to follow, yeah. uh, I'll put them back on the altar and say, uh, I can't tell you how many times I've gone back to the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I've gone back to healing. You know, I've mm -hmm. gone back to prosperity. I can't, I've laid those, I've, I've sought to crucify them, praying in tongues. I've sought to crucify that, but many times people are not willing to do that. And, yeah. and the issue is every time I've gone back, the fire of God has refined it even more and cleaned it even more and made that doctrine even more pure, yeah. right? Um, you know, women in ministry. I, I had an idea that early on that they weren't supposed to be in there. That's sort of the way I was raised. I go on down the road and something's bothering. I mean, it's bothering my spirit. I go back to it. I was like, Lord, you know, you got to show this to me. He showed me in the, in the scripture. But had I not been willing to lay that on the altar multiple yeah. times, I would have never found it. So I had to be content with my assumptions being destroyed. Yeah. Right? That humility allows us to grow stronger and confident. I, and, you know, recently I had a, a friend of mine, and he was like, you are like the most confident guy I have mm -hmm. ever met. And so and yeah. bold. And I was like, what are you talking about? You know, I, and I don't feel that way. Yeah. But what happens is when you are willing to lay stuff on the altar and you start getting more and more solid in it, mm -hmm. you get confidence. And that is a marker of godliness mm -hmm. because yeah. you see that in Acts chapter 4 where it says, when they saw the boldness that was on the disciples, they knew they had been with Jesus. Yeah. You know, they knew because of the boldness and they prayed, Lord, give us, grant your servants boldness, right? Yeah. There's a boldness and a confidence that comes from laying that stuff. It's like tempering. You stick it, you know, stick metal in the fire and you can temper it and make it harder and, and more durable in that way. So the more we yield ourselves and our thinking and who we are and our yeah. stuff and put it in the fire, you know, it, it 
makes us where we're stronger and stronger and stronger. So. Yeah, I've yeah. seen you and Pastor Nicole do that, mm -hmm. and I've it, it really stuck out to me because I was like, I mean, how can you put tongues on the altar? Like, it's <laughs> we're right. Like, you know, there's yeah. that yeah. feeling of your flesh trying to defend itself yeah. and defend yeah. yourself and, and the fear of if I go back, if I, there's almost like this backwards fear of if I am in humility, then I'll yeah. be proven wrong and then things will be yeah. messed yeah. up. And, and what yeah. if someone... It, uh, takes advantage of my doctrine by me talking to them about it and there's all this stuff that people get wrapped up in and you guys are yeah. just like so I've, I've seen you guys walk in such humility with it it's, yeah. it's really just been like you can do that like it, <laughs> you know well why would you know why do I need to defend something that's of God yeah why do I don't need to defend it it'll defend itself you know yeah. I don't I'm not worried about anybody challenging my doctrine. Now, my flesh doesn't like it, but I'm supposed yeah. to submit and crucify that flesh anyway. So, you know, who cares if my flesh doesn't like it? Yeah. But the issue is, if it can't withhold and withstand the fire of God, it wasn't worth believing in the first place. Yeah. It wasn't worth it. So that's why, and so it's not just money, but... but you can see where money, I'm going to show you how money itself is the root. I'll show you that in a second. Mm -hmm. But um, you can see how money leads to stuff and stuff leads to ideals and doctrines. And then all, you got all kinds of things on the throne but Jesus. Right. And so when I love something more than I love God and his ways, it takes the place of, on the throne and it becomes an idol and now I'm worshiping the wrong thing. And when yeah. God tells me to do something, I'm not going to listen, so I'm not going to be obedient and blessed because I'm letting something else tell me what to do. Okay. So, And he gives that. He says, if we have food and covering, with these we shall be content. But, mm -hmm. but those who want to get rich, see, they, they don't want to do good work and have an abundance to do it. Yeah. See, the root of there is I want to get rich, yeah. right? I want to I want to be wealthy, or I want I want freedom from having to pay these bills. You can have freedom simply by making Christ your Lord and Savior. You can yeah. have freedom by coming to Christ. My yoke is easy, my burden's light. So yeah. it's not. But they just want the richness. They just want the money. Uh, they and so there's a trick here. There's a deception. There's a trap. Yeah. He yeah. said, but those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. So it's mm -hmm. not that you can't be rich, it's that they want to be rich. Yeah. You, can you see that wording yeah. there? Mm -hmm. uh, right back up to verse 6, godliness. What a, is godliness of God? Yeah. Is contentment of God. Yeah. So these yeah. two things that are of God lead to great gain. Yeah. yeah. So godly things leads to great gain. Yeah. Was and think about this. So was Jesus poor? Was he godly? Yeah. Was he content? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Then what is the promise about that? Did he have great gain? Yeah. He couldn't have been poor until he gave it up yeah. willingly. You yeah. see? Yeah. Because he fulfilled this. This is a promise. It's an mm -hmm. absolute. So he couldn't have been poor in that way because he had great gain. So right. you know, you that kind of stuff is all over the word. But one of the things that you see here is when they want to get rich, 
In other words, their purpose, their drive is to get rich, not godliness. That's what they're going after. They're going after richness instead of godliness. And and now watch. And that's a trap and it's a snare. And literally godly men have fallen for this who have a call of God. That's why you have to honestly always be humble and willing to give it all away. Because if you're not willing to give it all away, then you've been snared by it. And it's the richness that that does that. So you know, I literally, I I'll ask myself this on a regular basis. If you, I mean, I just asked it a few weeks ago. Yeah. Lord, if you told me to give away this house, I'll give away this house. Told me to give away this car, I'll give away this car. Whatever. I you know, I just got, I just got that motorcycle. I've already talked to the Lord about. It. You want me to give it away? I'll give it away. You know, I've only had it a week. Like, yeah. you want me to give it away? I'll give it away. I'll yeah. sew it. I, whatever you want me to do, and I mean it. You know, yeah. it's because I I'll check myself on a regular basis in humility to make sure that I'm not just wanting to get rich yeah. or have stuff, which basically falls into the same category. Yeah. All right. Then it says, verse ten: For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil, or the King James says, the love of money is the root of all evil. Mm-hmm. And some, by longing for it, have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. So they were in the faith, but mm-hmm. they longed for the love of money. They longed mm-hmm. for it. Not just money, but they longed for, they longed for money. They loved money. And when they did, they, they wandered away. Now watch, a wandering away is not just a, I'm in the faith and I'm out. Yeah. It's over a period of time. So I think many people have fallen prey to the love of money even after they were godly, but then humility will correct course real quick. You know, yeah. It'll get it back on course. So yeah. when you feel that tug of the Lord, then you mm-hmm. need to make sure that you yield to that. You know, yeah. I'd rather be the person that gives away too much too fast than the one who never gives it away. Right. Right? That's, a, that's humility. I'd rather be that all day long. But he, he's given us this thing. He's like, look, godliness actually is a means of great gain. Yeah. But make sure that you're not trapped by the snare of the love of money because yeah. the love of money is the root of all evil. And so it's not prosperity. It's not prosperity that's bad. Yeah. It's the love of that money, the desire to be rich mm-hmm. that catches people, the desire to have stuff, yeah. right? If yeah. that stuff starts motivating me, Okay, let me you know, let me build a church and let's have a thousand members because if I have a thousand members, I can get a different salary, and if I can get a different salary, then I can go and get this beach house and this mountain house or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. That's how some ministers think, and immediately they are moving into dangerous, dangerous territory, right? right? Dangerous yeah. territory. Yeah, and I, I think you you kind of mentioned it, but it's I think some people probably think. Well, I'm not like I'm not like obsessed with money itself, mm-hmm. so I don't fall into this category. But it's not just like that's does an money... assumption that I'm talking about. Yeah, it's not yeah. like does yeah. money make you super excited and 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 the love of money in no. a way that's like you know one perception of that. But it's like you're mm-hmm. saying if you're not willing to give it up, it's not just like that's well, right. money is my is my obsession and money is my hobby and I love and I love it so much in that way. Yeah. It's all also, does it have you? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Like in fear. That's exactly mm-hmm. right. 
And that and that's it. So we make assumption. Now watch again. We go back to our little levels mm -hmm. of you know one to ten, ten being the most mature, and we assume that we're somewhere. Well, yeah. Jesus says, "Don't assume, but let the fruit prove you." That's a principle of the word. Let fruit yeah. prove you. And so the fruit is, can I give it away? Am I content? Like okay, today all the stuff that you have. You can take it down and go live in a tent in the woods and hunt for your dinner. Yay. No pan to cook it in. Yeah. That's not food and covering. That's extra. Yeah. You got nothing. Right? Yeah. So as long as you keep being provided. See, this is the kind of stuff that need, we need to challenge ourselves with. Yeah. Ask ourselves these questions. Let it be a yeah. check and a balance to us. Yeah. And, and go ahead. And not just once. Not just. Not just oh, one time. No, I, you ought <laughs> yeah. to do it all the time. Yeah. You ought to check. This is a part yeah. of the walk mm -hmm. of humility that keeps us clear. The, yeah. the deception. You know, the devil's main weapon is deception. In Revelation, you see it every time he comes into and out of the world. He takes deception with him. That's his main weapon. He's got no power and authority greater than a believer. He does not have it. So his main weapon is deception. And the number one uh, defense of deception is humility. Put that in the comments. The number one defense of deception is humility. Yeah. Humility yeah. will shine the light on deception. Right. That's a great point. Um, would you say that as we... As we as we grow in finances, as yeah. the Lord um, increases us, we obviously grow in maturity, but also the, the things get, they, they grow, they, they increase. Would you say that in some ways people who have more things, they're under more temptation where they have to watch their flesh more? Like it's easier for me to give away a dollar than a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, I think mm -hmm. that a greater challenge to our maturity is not when we're at our lowest. It's, you know, you think about if I have nothing, if mm -hmm. I have nothing, then I, I only have one option. I have to believe in God. Yeah. But if I have options, then I have more, I have more options. I have more temptation to not utilize him. Yeah. So, you know, the question is, do you have, so for example, it, let's say that you had a $1,000 bill on your car, right? You got to pay $1,000 to get it fixed, and you only have 500 You You only got one choice, believe God or go get a loan, you know, and yeah. if you don't have good credit, you just got God, you know. <laughs> and uh, yeah. so you got God, and that's your only choice, so you believe God. Well, that doesn't make you a spiritual giant. It's just it is the right thing to do. But if you have 100000 in the bank and you got $1,000, here, here's the issue. Do you just go to the bank and pay it, or do you go back to the Lord and say, Lord, how do you want to pay this? Yeah. See, most people never ask that question. Mm -hmm. They just constant. In other words, now they pull out of their own source. And some people would say, well, God gave me that money, and so he was giving me that money to pay that source. Maybe. Or maybe he wanted you to act in faith right now. So the, the issue is, see, we make yeah. assumptions. We're oh assuming. And so a lot of times, and so a lot of times we have, well, I can just go, you know, I want to have a deck on the back of my house and it'll cost me $3,000 and I have a hundred grand in the bank. So I'll just, you know, buy it. Yeah. 
did you talk to the Lord about it? You don't just go do that stuff. Right. You know, that to me, he's either Lord of all or Lord of none. Yeah. You see, so the, it really comes back to our humility and our assumptions and how much do we seek him for, you know. Mm -hmm. Now, I, and now he's given me some direction. He's shown me how to do this. In other words, I was, I was taking this to the degree where I was like, I couldn't take a step without seeking the Lord on the next step. And I'm, I'm talking about walking down the hall, you know. <laughs> Like, okay, is the next step good? Is the next step? Well, that makes for a very wooden flow. A very, it's very uh, difficult to flow and gain momentum. And so yeah. what the Lord said was, what he gave to me was this. When I give you a command, you keep going in that direction, doing, making the mm -hmm. decisions you need to, asking me, praying in the Holy Ghost, stay yeah. in fellowship always, but you you go in that direction. In other words, if he tells me to run the church and the yeah. church needs, uh, you know, some, I don't know, a, a, some kind of maintenance on the church, right? I don't have to stop and ask the Lord to do, should I do this maintenance right now in that, in that case? Now, if it's a bigger ticket item, I'm going to because he may have a different solution. Yeah. But for the most part, I'm going to handle business, right? Mm -hmm. But... I'm always leaving my ears open in mm -hmm. humility to instruction, correction, and redirection. Yeah. Okay, I'm always leaving my ears open, and I'm yielding. And so if I am start going, if I'm heading in that direction, all of a sudden I get a check. I'm like, oh, what is that, Lord? Mm -hmm. What do you want me to do? So, for example, like have a church service on Sunday morning. And mm -hmm. in the middle of the song, we got generally have you know four to five songs. And in mm -hmm. the middle of the fourth song, like I get a check. Okay, Lord, what is that? Uh, yeah. Stop this song, talk to the people, start the song back. That's what yeah. happened this past Sunday. Mm -hmm. So I'm heading that direction, but then I had, I'm staying humble and staying open. Uh, yeah. He's on the throne, not me, and not the schedule of service. Look, yeah. What do you want to, you want to do something, Lord? Okay, yeah, all right. I pray about it. He, he gives me instruction, some redirection for the service, and then it breaks open and it breaks yeah. free. You mm -hmm. see, and that's how we yeah. live our life as well. But in other words, we're not just making assumptions that are mm -hmm. absolute all the time, and then we just run with it. We never check back in with God. It's yeah. out of fellowship. So yeah, yeah. that helped me walk in freedom because yeah, seriously, just as you were talking, like there's been times. Um, where I've been walking and you've had to check me often like, did you pray about that? Did you ask the Lord about that? Or did yeah. you just assume that that's what we were going to do? I've been in that ditch. Yeah. But then I've like overcorrected myself and been in the ditch where I can seriously remember walking down my school halls and being like, Lord, should I step on the white vinyl square or the red vinyl square? Yeah. <laughs> and living in such a bondage of I'm 100% yeah. serious. I'm like, oh, yeah. I don't know if I can hear the Lord's voice right now. I'm questioning everything. I, am I even saved? Because I don't know if the Lord told me to step on the red vinyl square or the white vinyl square. Yeah, and, and see, that's a yeah. legalism. And yeah. I've done that too. Yeah. You know? You, there's, remember, it's a flow of the Holy Ghost, yeah. and it's not meant to be legalistic in that way. Yeah. Now, the issue is, you just go to class. Yeah. Just go to class. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just go to class. Yeah. But while you're walking to class, if one day you're walking to class, the Holy Ghost goes, hey, you go, oh, what is it, Lord? Uh -huh. That's yeah. it. 
Yeah. You don't have to figure out every detail of it, yeah. but you always stay open and you don't run past that. You yeah. don't, you the Holy Ghost goes, hey, and you're like, I'm too busy. Yeah. Right now, who's on the throne? Your schedule's on the throne. Right. Your time's right. on the throne, not God. Yeah. And so you can see how when we have other things on the throne and we love other things, our schedule, our, our legalism even, yeah. immediately it moves God off the throne and we move from godliness into evil. Mm-hmm. So a love of money is a root of all evil. One translation says the root, another translation says a root of mm-hmm. all evil. But you're going to see how it's the root of all evil. I'll show mm-hmm. you that. Because where does evil generate from? The devil. The devil, right? Lucifer. Lucifer. And was he created evil? Mm-mm. Are you sure? Yes. Mm-mm. Why are you sure? Because he was, I mean, the angel with all the instruments and all that. He was great. You're exactly right. This is in Ezekiel 28. Are you relieved? (laughs) Yeah. So it says... He was a worship leader or something, Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's what most people think. And so look at Ezekiel 28, starting in verse 13. and, And the scholars agree that this is talking about the devil, talking about Lucifer, which also, might I point out, when it says right here, you were in Eden, the garden of God, every precious stone was your covering. Now, God is defining him here before mm-hmm. he fell. Yeah. yeah. This, is, this is good Lucifer before he became evil, yeah. right? Notice that good Lucifer was in Eden, okay? So that's important when it comes back to the fall of the angels and the gap theory in Genesis the 1-1. Mm-hmm. Good Lucifer was in the Garden of Eden. Yep, in Eden in the Garden of God. And uh, Ezekiel 28-13. So a lot of people say there's a big gap in between Genesis 1-1 Genesis 1-2. And you see that in that gap, right, uh, in that gap is where evil came down and the world was now in chaos. And uh, so a lot of people believe that the earth could be millions and billions of years old because there was chaos before uh, that. But here's the issue. Good Lucifer was in the Garden of Eden, which was created on the earth. So before he became evil, before he even fell, he was in the Garden, which was created 6,000 years ago. So the gap theory kind of blows the gap theory out of the water just with this one verse, but there's other verses too. But uh, anyway, some people will find that interesting. Some people will be like, what is he talking about? All right, verse 13. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, the ruby, the topaz, and the diamond, the barrel, the onyx, the jasper, the lapis lazuli, the turquoise, and the emerald, the gold, the workmanship of your settings and sockets was in you. On the day that you were created, they were prepared. You were... Now, so you're still talking about the good. He was the anointed cherub who covers. And I placed you there. Where? In in the garden. Mm-hmm. And then he says, you were on the holy mountain of God. You walked in the midst of the stones of fire. So he's talking about walking in holy things, right? Yeah. Lucifer was there. Yeah. He says, you were blameless in your ways from the day you were created until unrighteousness was found with you. 
Yeah. So evil started right here at this moment. This is being defined. Mm -hmm. He was blameless until unrighteousness was found in him. And and so what you see is here's where evil started. Yeah. Okay. And and where did it start? Watch this. Verse 16 is the answer to why the love of money is the root of all evil. Mm -hmm. By the abundance of your trade or your merchandising. In other words, he was handling the commerce. The word here can mean commerce. He was handling heavenly and spiritual commerce. And in the abundance of his commerce or merchandising, you were internally filled with violence and you sinned. So all evil came out of his love of money. At some point, he allowed the love of the money, yeah. of, of that of that commerce. He allowed yeah. that to turn him and in that evil was found in him. And that so in other words, all the evil that we have goes all the way back to the root of the love of money right here. So that's the answer to your question. I have so many questions now about the, the <laughs> commerce. Yeah. The heavenly yeah. spiritual commerce yeah, that well, was happening. I don't know that we have that defined very but you you have you see that you were eternally, internally filled with violence and you sinned. Now remember, yeah. he was made blameless. He was blameless in all of his ways. Yeah. And from the day he was created until this moment, and it was in his commerce, and you sinned, yeah. therefore I cast you as profane from the mountain of God. In other words, profane means you mixed holy and, and common. Yeah. You mixed holy and common. And so you took what you were walking in the holy, you mixed it with a common worldly type thing is how we would say it today. And because of that, you're profane because you made a mixture of the two. They are never to be mixed. You don't mix the holy and the profane. It's like I, I told Luke the other day, I was like, you don't bring food into a service where we're worshiping God. We're not eating. That's a common thing. That's a worldly, fleshly thing. You don't bring your game into that. You know, I'm teaching mm -hmm. him not to do this because we want to understand what profanity is mixing something that's holy with common. So even like profane things or profanity is you're taken, you are created as a speaking spirit, you are made in the holiness and the holy image and likeness of God. The only things that should be coming out of your mouth are holy. Yeah. And when we prof use profanity, we're mixing what should be holy with common things. Yeah. That's why he says, You'll be judged for every idle word. Mm -hmm. He says, uh, I cast you as profane from the mountain of God, and I have destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You, cor you corrupted your wisdom by reason of your splendor. In other words, he started looking at who he was and, and how he was wise and how he had splendor and how he was beauty, and he started mm -hmm. meditating on his self right mm -hmm. he started meditating these are all it all runs together here mm -hmm. and then he says i cast you to the ground i put you before kings that they may see you and watch this by the multitude of your iniquities in the unrighteousness of your trade you profaned mm -hmm. your sanctuaries therefore i brought fire from the midst of you think about that he took the holiness of god that was in him and he took the fire out can you see now how Jesus wants to baptize us with fire? He mm -hmm. gives us that, that fire. Yeah. 
He says, it has consumed you and I have turned you to ashes on the earth in the eyes of all who see you. So you can see that in his love of money, so we have in Timothy the love of money as the root of all evil. We have in Ezekiel where he was in commerce and in merchandising, in, in spiritual commerce and merchandising. And you know what is that exactly? I'm not entirely sure. I haven't given it much thought. I'd have to yeah. pray on that, but and seek the Lord on it and find Scripture on it. But um, mm -hmm. regardless, there was some type of commerce that was happening, and he was over it. He was he was in the middle of it, and in that he began to love money. He began yeah. to love you know mammon, so to speak. He loved yeah. that, and uh, he got caught by it and snared by it, and that was the root of all evil. So every bit of evil, murder, hate, all of that stuff started right there when he loved money. Mm -hmm. And so if, if that was the root of all evil in him, it can also be the root of all evil in us when we start longing. So you think about it. Why would somebody murder someone? Because they want something. Mm -hmm. They love something more than they love the life of that person. You know, yeah. They want to take their, that person standing in the way of their car. I want to take their car. It's a love of money. It's, you know, whatever. I don't care who you are. They have no regard for life anymore. Things like yeah. that. So you can see how evil spawns from that. So. Yeah. Does that answer your question? Yeah. yeah. I very interesting. So. Awesome. <laughs> very interesting. That was it is. not where I thought it was going to go. <laughs> I'm going to be 100% honest. I'd well. like to know how people figured out, like, first realized that certain scriptures like that in Ezekiel were about, um, were about